going to read our passage this morning, all six verses of it, in Luke chapter 9. The first six verses. If you have a title in your Bible, it's probably got something like this, Jesus sends out the 12 disciples or the 12 apostles. It's a key moment in Jesus' ministry, and it's a key moment in the upward curve for the disciples and the apostles. And he called the 12 together, or in other versions it's got, he called them to himself. I think there's quite um, wonderful understanding between those two phrases. I love both of them. He called them, the twelve, together, and he called them to himself. What a wonderful moment. <laughs> just to get that offer of being just called to himself. Here's the, the king of kings and the lord of lords, the redeemer of the whole earth, and he calls them to himself. And he gave them power and authority over all demons, not just one, all demons, and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. I thought that was in the previous verses, proclaim, you know, to cast out demons and cure diseases. I don't know what you think of that. Proclaiming the kingdom of God and to heal. It's an all-encompassing word, isn't it, to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, don't take two tunics or don't have a change of clothes. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. You smell today. Right. You enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Healing everywhere. Wow. <laughs> Bob read a little bit from Hebrews just now, and that was helpful. I thought also that song we had up was helpful. I just wanted you could have the words ready at some stage, Paul, just a bit later on to, to, to put up. Pardon? Yeah, just what we had just now. Tom, yeah. You're not on the Bible. Yeah. We, yeah, we have, sorry about the Bible already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail it, he wasn't standing there with a trowel and a bucket of cement in his hand. He was predicting that the ever-growing community of his followers 
would be messages of an invincible life. The death and resurrection of Jesus, along with the soon coming power of the Holy Spirit, would underscore the earlier prophetic words of Jesus. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. These disciples were sent out to proclaim the kingdom of God. Is there any difference between the kingdom of God and the church? Not a lot, really. But the kingdom of God is overall encompassing because Jesus said from John the Baptist, the kingdom of God is advancing. So in a sense, there's two things going on here. And I'm not really going to go into them this morning, only just to mention them so that we've got them in our minds. Ultimately, the church would prove that to be true, that the kingdom of God is advancing. So he would do this through his ever-growing community of his followers, and they would be messengers of an invincible life. I think we see something in that, in the message that Jesus told them to go out and to proclaim in the reading that we had this morning. But before we do that, I just want us to catch up on the disciples, where they were. I want to connect with the previous weeks, especially what Steve brought last week. So Luke had recorded four miracles in a row where Jesus' authority and power over destructive forces in a fallen world and a broken world was becoming more evident. There seemed to be nothing which was outside of his, that's Jesus' interest and desire to manoeuvre into a restored situation or a tolerable situation or a correct situation. Just a simple example is when Jesus had to pay taxes, he told Peter to go down and he said, you'll find the money in the mouth of the fish. In a sense, he manoeuvred that situation by, a sense, using power um, into a situation which was correct. But more importantly than that, we see that Jesus is sending out his disciples to manoeuvre people into a situation which would become more tolerable and it would be restored situation for them. They're healing. And, and Steve brought that out in what he brought to us last week. The heroes of Jesus' presence and activity when he was here were the fallen, the broken, the outcasts, the poor, the damaged, the failures, the needy. Not those on thrones, or those in robes, or necessarily those with uniforms, although that did happen. But the heroes, the heroes were the needy, the outcasts. And so Steve brought to us uh, last week, uh, out of these, these four these four miracles in a row, they were the disease, the demonic, the disaster, and the death. The areas of life which Jesus came and ministered in, and he manoeuvred people from that place of being transformed from one place to another, which you may remember I spoke about 
uh, with, with the man who was possessed with the demons, that, that, transforming, that transforming power. These were but the prelude and examples of cosmic changes afoot. Jesus said, But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. But a coming kingdom and its power was evidenced right amongst the people, and him casting out the demons was evidence of that. These changes would draw the disciples initially and the 72 others later, which we could read about, and would ultimately be delegated to those with an ever-growing family of believers where we find 120 people, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers devoting themselves to prayer in an upper room and waiting for the promise of the Father. So you see the growing community of followers which Jesus is enabling or filling with his power to go out and manoeuvre situations from one degree of glory to another, if you like, or from one situation to another. He had messengers of a transforming community. Initially, we're looking at the disciples here. The storm on the lake, which was like a disaster scenario, seemed to have taken all the breath out of the disciples in the boat. They seem to have gone very quiet. I suppose we would too if we'd been on the lake that night. I don't know how you would have felt, how I would have felt in that situation, worn out, unable to take a step. Really, what's going on here? What, what, what's just happened? This storm on the lake. They've gone quiet and sort of distance from Jesus, leaving us with those words out of that storm. Who is this? Who is this? Or we could say, who is this? Whichever we emphasize the terminology. Who is this? Who is this? And that's the big question, is it? Who is this man that's transforming society? Who is it that's maneuvering situations? improving situations, healing people, casting out demons. Who is this man? During the demon eviction story and destruction of the pigs, not a word of the disciples is recorded in that situation. It's all gone quiet. Not a word is recorded. Or maybe they were too afraid to go near this man. Jesus went up to this man, but we read that People had great fear from this man. Maybe they were afraid. Maybe they buzzed off. They didn't seem to be near. They didn't seem to be there. Almost, well, we're getting out of here. We can't take this anymore. And that could be the inference, because in Matthew, we read that Jesus stepped out on the land. It doesn't say anything about the disciples. And when he left, Matthew records, when Jesus returned, he got into a boat. He got into a boat and he went back to his own city. Where were the disciples? 
And yet in the beginning of our reading today, we read Jesus called his disciples to himself. In the account of the continually hemorrhaging woman who touched the hem of Jesus' garment, Peter sort of said out, Peter sort of said, Oh, come off it, Master. All these people around you are bumping into you, idiot. You could almost hear Jesus, Peter saying that to Jesus, as Jesus said, who touched me? Who touched me? We're looking at the disciples here and where they are. When Jesus took Peter, James and John in with him to Jairus' daughter, she's only sleeping, said Jesus, at which they laughed. At which they laughed. What a comedian you are, Jesus. <laughs> She's dead. Can't you see that? Jesus is now going to call his band of bruised men and set them at a level like unto himself. These are my royal people. These are my special people. I'm going to impart my authority to them, my royalty to them. And sometimes we're a bit like the disciples. We're a band of bruised men. We have little understanding of the bigger picture and what's going on. Sometimes we don't understand fully the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some say, we say, I can't do it because I don't understand, or I can't do it because my life has been so damaged. I can't do it because this, that, or the other. Yet Jesus calls these men to himself. That's a privilege. These 12 men. Matthew's only just joined the team. I'm only used to handling money. And yet Jesus calls a man like Matthew to himself. Jesus calling his band of bruised men and set them at a level like unto himself. They were now on royal service. Did they understand? Were they trained? <laughs> were they experts? Had they realized that the one burning question, who is this, had actually been answered by a demon? We may be very similar to those disciples, and yet Jesus has called us to royal service. He's called us to a position like unto himself. We are people of authority and people of power. Jesus has called us to himself, and let not Satan tell you any different. Now in our Ephesians group, we've been looking at how we are seated together with Christ in heavenly places, and let no one take that truth away from us. We are seated there with him. We're not seated down here, we're seated there with him. So this passage is really all about mission. It's all about mission. He called his disciples to himself, he sent them out, and they went out with our message. You know, um, in our fellowship of churches, we're called relational mission. 
That's because we are relationally joined together for one purpose, and that's to be on a mission. The mission of telling people about Jesus Christ and about his love. When we used to go to the leaders' conference at Brighton, it was called Together on a Mission. Together on a Mission, which largely says the same thing. And we all here this morning are on a mission. Everything about church, we're on a mission. Everything. When that chair needs stacking on that chair, and that chair needs stacking on that chair, that's missional. Because it's helping God's work in the kingdom of God. When we see one little thing that needs doing, and we do it, we're on a mission. The Old Testament records a story of the Israelis when they were fighting and they going to war. They weren't the only important people in the battle. The people who looked after the baggage and the stuff back home. And they were just thinking about what was going on, seeing where God was all in it. They were on the same mission. They were on the same mission. It wasn't not just what we do, it's how we do it. And when we put our first leg out of bed this morning, even though we had an extra hour, before my foot, before our feet touched the ground, we're on a mission. Coming here, making that journey from home to here, we're on a mission. It doesn't always seem like that, does it? Sometimes our head tells us something different. Sometimes our heart... It's not running with that. <laughs> and I know what that is too. Whatever we do with the church, for the church, we are on a mission. Let us not, un Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So this morning, in our passage, we see key elements for mission at that time. There are similarities between the mission that disciples had, very similar to the elements we face on a mission. But it was different because Jesus said to them, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This is not the time for actually conveying the message to the Gentiles. I want you to go to to your people, the Jewish people. Key elements for mission at that time. And these key elements, who sent them and enabled them? What empowered or equipped them? Where were they sent? How were they to conduct themselves? The standard or banner of their message they should carry? And what would they see as a result of the mission? Their expectations. These key elements for mission. Who enabled them? Jesus himself. And when Jesus, just before Jesus went back to heaven, he said to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I will be with you to the end of the age. But he also said to them, 
teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. We are recipients of those things which have come down to us here in 2020, what, 2021. And we still have that message running with us, don't we? To teach people things that they should know about Jesus and about God. And he is the one who sent them. He's the one who sends us. That's the authority we're going out with. That's the authority why we're here today. It's because Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, has sent us. We are on that mission. We are on that mission. He who sent them also enabled them. I will be with you to the end of the age. The major part of that enabling for us today is that we have the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, when Jesus sent his disciples out, he gave them power and authority. He gave them. He equipped them. He enabled them to do that. They not only had the authority of Jesus himself, but they had the authority of the scriptures, they had the authority of the prophets behind them, they had the authority of history behind them, that God was fulfilling his purpose. And as he, Jesus was sending his people to the fellow Jews, God was fulfilling his promise. He was not going to leave his people, Israel, unloved, untaught and unsought. He was not going to leave them unloved and untaught and unsought. And Jesus doesn't want us to leave this world we're in unloved, unsought and untaught. Elements for the mission. And as Jesus was sending his disciples to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, God was not going to leave one promise to his people unfulfilled. And in a sense, as we go out on mission, whatever that mission is, the mission of the church, the mission of the school's work trust, whatever it is, we're taught, he's not leaving his promises unfulfilled. We're going to a people unloved, unsought and untaught. And he wants us to go out with that attitude. So I had those words of the song up there. It sort of worked out the fulfillment of God's purposes to his people. And in our world where, as the church of God, we are going out with a message of the gospel, there are those similarities, aren't there? God wants to show his love care and understanding. Lord, teach us, just teach us, Lord, how to do that. He also told them how they should conduct themselves. And there's many things you could say about that, but it was important in mission, how they conducted themselves. And there are many rules today that we have to abide by nationally and within the context of our law. And we have to remember those two as well as those Jesus taught us to do and how we work those out. And that needs wisdom. 
So Jesus gave them wisdom within the context of what he said to them. How they should conduct themselves. They should go simply, not with, not with gimmicks, but simply with the message. Sometimes we can get caught up with so many things that we forget really the kernel and the heart of the gospel. It really was quite simple, wasn't it? Go out and preach to them. This message we have concerns a king. This message we have concerns the wonderful fulfillment of a promise. This message we have is for you. This message we have, we need to. These disciples, as they went out, went out like that. These key elements of message. Which brought us to the element, the standard or banner for their message they should carry. Jesus gave them. He said, go out and preach the kingdom of God. That was the banner to proclaim their message. We have a similar banner as we preach the gospel. The power of the gospel is in Christ crucified. That is the power of the gospel. Christ's death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave. That's the banner for our message. Even although we're involved in social activity, in reaching others and helping them and showing them that they are not unloved, as we reach out to people around us, our neighbours, we still have a banner for our message. This is Jesus crucified, the one who gave his life for us. Jesus' death and resurrection, his ascension and his coming again in glory. And as they would preach the kingdom of God, they would know that the promises concerned one who was going to come in glory. The message of the kingdom of God. And we have that message too. It's the return of Jesus. These key elements of our mission. And this is what is being explained as Jesus sent them out. He gave them expectation. He gave them authority to cast out all manner of demons. He gave them authority to heal the sick. And he gave them authority to cure diseases. I think that mandate hasn't changed. If we read 1 Corinthians 12, so the church explicitly is a manifestation of the Spirit in his body. I don't think that mandate has changed. Come, Holy Spirit, amongst us. Let your power be seen and known amongst us. Let us be, and I think as a beacon community, we just need to pursue what's written in 1 Corinthians 12. To seek the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the context of love of people not unloved. That's our expectations from mission. The key elements of mission, who sent them, who empowered or equipped them, where they were sent to, how they should conduct themselves, the standard or banner for their message needs to remain as a banner in place. What they would see as a result of their mission, the expectations we have 
we should pray those expectations. Now, we can't connive the fulfilment of those expectations, but we can pray for them. Tonight, there's a prayer meeting on Zoom. What was it I said earlier? Everything we do in church is mission. What we do tonight as we pray, as we come together, is mission. As we turn on our little pad or computer, we put the switch on and the screen comes up. Every element of pursuing the kingdom of God is mission. Everything. I think my attitude needs to change just a little. And I think sometimes it does, doesn't it? As we look out, we're together on a mission. It took about seven parables by Jesus to explain the kingdom of God later on. And here the disciples before that, did they understand? We don't understand it all, but God has sent us. He's purposed us with a message that is so important and so needed in our world today. Let's be encouraged that people, that Jesus doesn't want us to remain unloved and unsought. He sent Jesus to seek a people for himself. And he doesn't want us to remain untaught. There are other things in the story, but they're not really relevant for us today. But let's pray that we might know the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon us. It'll be a people, for I'm building a people of power. You see? I think that's quite evident. He gave them authority. He gave them authority, and he still does today. But he doesn't have to give it for each occasion because we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. He's there all the time. Father, I just thank you and praise you for this royal place you put us. Lord, to be your emissaries. Lord, your people, to declare us with our banner that Jesus Christ is Lord and that his kingdom will never fail. Come Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name.